record. special person that is and has been running deep within the undertow of my life and I I didn't realize it until we had actually connected these things are very intriguing to me when they do happen so this is uh, a person who's been out there under the name the ruiner and uh, shame bills. And so he has been around, talked to a lot of very well-known people, good friends of mine as well, especially Randy Moggins and Emily Moyer. Uh, And then I was not actually aware of Shane until rather recently. And then Jerry had booked Shane onto one of our shows. I don't know if it was Knox Mentair Obelisk. And it was, like I said, I knew at that point we had some sort of strange, uh, there's just something here. I'm not sure what it is. And that's one of the reasons why we're exploring uh, interactions more. So here, here we are, and I've brought Shane into the Cosmic Salon. So we can talk about all kinds of stuff. Shane has uh, closed the Ruiner phase and uh, is moving into a new phase. And if you've been paying attention to his series recently, and the last one was a tearjerker, uh, there have been a couple for me at least, then you know where he is. And I I highly recommend checking that out. Of course, everything will be in the show notes. I intentionally did not break my fast until I had Shane in here with me. And so at this moment, I'm going to have my morning tea, the very first sip to come into communion with Shane. And so with that, I'm going to bring Shane into the Cosmic Salon. Hello, Shane. Hello. We uh, we meet again. We do. <laughs> and it's you again at the crossroads. <laughs> so as I was saying, just to give people that may not know who you are, uh, th- who are you? You know, and this is, I know that you're a musician. That's one thing I know. Well, I guess I, I've done many things. Um uh, the reason why I was on your show being one of them. Uh, I guess it was six years ago now, I wrote a blog called The Ruiner Blog and uh, kind of exposed myself that way. Uh, as it goes, I wasn't writing it so that the alternative community could read it. It was for some people that I knew, but the alternative community, community found it and uh, the rest is what it is. Aside from that, uh, as you mentioned, yes, I... I'm a singer and songwriter, and I've been a part of two really great bands that, uh, between the two, we produced four great records. And um, I've done some solo stuff as well since then. Uh, the last few years, I haven't really been 
too much into music because I think I kind of got the wind knocked out of me when I realized there is no music business anymore. So yeah. uh, I had to readjust what I was doing with my life. And um, <laughs> so uh, since then, I, could, I guess I've been focused a little bit more on trying to bridge a gap between psychology and spirituality and um, do that in various ways. Uh, most recently, I've been working with a couple different universities to try and put something together. They're pretty much in the final stages of that, and uh, everything that I've seen from them is great. I'm hoping eventually I'll be able to point fingers at that and let people go look at that if they want to. But um, just in general, there's a pretty big step kind of happening in that sense, in that uh the psychology community is starting to look at things like plant medicine and uh, psilocybin and MDMA and uh, I guess look at religion and theology in a different light because of these things. And there's a lot of people very passionate about trying to, you know, like I said, bridge a gap between what psychology understands and what spirituality has been talking about for forever, which has, as we, you and I both know, a lot, a lot, a lot of truth to it. And there's a lot of things about psychology that um, are fundamentally wrong and therefore send psychologists down a path that turns into psychiatry. <laughs> but um, <laughs> Uh, yeah, so that's a combination of that stuff. And I guess on the creative sense now, I'm, uh, I've been in the process of writing two books kind of simultaneously, but I schedule when I'm going to write for each one independently. So I can just focus on one and then the other for periods of time. Uh, right now I'm focused on, uh, what I'm hoping will become a book series, uh, a fictional series, um, and then the other one's kind of more something I've never really seen quite before that I want to try. That's going to be a combination of writing about philosophy, writing poetry and storytelling. So, uh, Ooh. I like the combination of mixing these elements together and letting ourselves free of the constraints of tradition so that we can explore deeper the ideas of communication through things like poetic voice, creative voice, and narrative. There's something special that can happen there. Also, I think, engages people who are listening to us or reading this kind of uh, script, a sense of suspension of disbelief immediately because of the creative poetic voice but then when we get narrative in there especially narrative that's seeped within say some depth psychology union stuff i feel like there's a lot of potential there for catharsis on all levels absolutely and it's you know storytelling is how we've been doing it for thousands and longer than most people believe time actually has gone on or humanity has actually gone on we've been uh coding stories with truth um not necessarily in a hiding it in fiction form but in just a, a way that's easier for people to digest sometimes than someone being uh, a little bit more i don't know militant about okay well you have to follow this regiment and this is the law and this is you know how, how it goes but you know with a story with a myth uh, with mythos, you can you can add the way things feel into it. You can add um, a little bit of room for people to explore the ideas within their own uh, lenses of perception. You know, like uh, understanding things in their own terminology and uh, being able to picture things in their own way or envision things in their own way. Uh, kind of allows people to connect more with the story. And when they're that connected to the story, they're kind of through you know, gnosis, just absorbing all of the truth from it. And uh, even if they don't consciously recognize that there's truth in the fiction that they're reading, they tend to still adopt, you know, those concepts and ideas into their life. Um, you know, and a lot of the great authors or, or, you know, if you want to call them great authors, but popular authors who've written series like, a, you know, use uh, J.K. Rowling's uh, with Harry Potter as an example, you know, kids who grew up on those books 
they've adopted certain philosophies and ideas and concepts into their life that have made them seek out the mystical and see the magic in things and find happiness in things that other people don't. And I think that that's a really good thing because it, it empowers and it supports those kids who are going to go in that direction anyways. And, uh, they might not have got that from a science book. They might not have got that from a book on mathematics. They might not have gotten that from a religion, but they got that from that, that fictional series. And you know, I, I think that all these things need to exist because not everybody likes the same flavor of ice cream and everybody absorbs things and learns differently. And some people absorb things and learn really well when there's a creative element involved or an interactive element involved or just something that, you know, is, is what they like as opposed to what they don't or what they don't understand or something that's like outside of their scope of, um, everyday reality. So, uh, I think that's why storytelling is very important. And I, I think that like in, in today's culture with the way that we share news on social media and everything and fact checkers and all of that type of stuff and everyone kind of fighting from their own side to prove which side is right, which side is wrong. Um, I think that it's becoming more important for those of us who maybe don't want to engage in that to uh, create art and and do that. And like, you know, I've seen some people talk about what we're going through right now is almost like the precursor to a renaissance, right? And and that's true because anytime we endure any type of trauma, whether it be personally or culturally or globally, we are going to have a lot of art spawn out of that. So. Yeah, I find that is a key factor in this basically induced mass trauma event, this cultural cannibalism, as I've been calling it, that's going on in the outer world. And it leads us for sure into new territory. When we're put under pressure, there's that whole alchemical aspect. This is when... If the the veil, the vessel, let me put it that way, if the vessel sealed correctly, the contents can transmutate. And this collectively seems to be where we are. And through great times of crisis come amazing, unbelievable art. And it is in the art where we find the narrative, I, I believe, it's in the art where we find the freedom to lay down jewels and gems of truth through art. And art has a neutrality in a sense outside of art that's been turned weaponized and, and in the propaganda machine. Pure art, real art done from that space uh, turns into something holy, the holy of holies, really. And others that encounter it later, perhaps past the time span of the one who created it or the ones who created it, uh, pick it up and find that there's something sparkly there, that there's something special or embedded in there that is, uh, has a je ne sais quoi, right? There's something there. There's something that is intangible. And yet when you access it, you get the fullness of what it is. And this is where the Renaissance for me is born. This is an internal process that we exude outward into outer space, out beyond us when I say outer space, outside of the self. I'm wondering also your ideas on through the lens of fiction, we're able to move into the deepest truths. And we've seen this with amazing narratives out there, uh, how truthful things can be under that guise. And fiction has a wide scope, you know, from sci-fi to psychodrama to horror. You know, it's a, it's a big umbrella, and then we can throw in things that become close to, wiggle up next to, and I get on board with both of them. Things like memoir, 
where that's a person's truth, where that's a person's experience, and how that can interlap and intertwine and also sometimes intervene between the worlds. And so when you speak and the images I get from you as you're speaking, I feel that some of that is what's going to be birthed through in what you're going to be presenting moving forward through these works. Yes. I mean, um, there's a fictional element to everything that I've done so far. I'm going to kind of double down on all of that so that I can um, just take that question out of the room and then, uh, yeah, do kind of what I, I, I do. Like if, whether it's poetry, whether it's lyrics, whether it's conversations I'm having, I'm always trying to, uh, I guess the correct word is teach, but it's like guiding people towards things that they should check out and things that they should consider and ideas that they should have. And, um, it's like planting seeds, right? As opposed to uh, giving them a presentation or becoming very passionate and, and uh, you know, talking about my beliefs on a certain subject a lot. Uh, a lot of the time I'll just bring them up as, as ideas and allow them to go run with those ideas. And it's, it's been amazingly effective uh, in my experience to, to do that with people in terms of them, you know, later on after considering those ideas coming back in and, and looking for more on it. And, uh, like then they pick my brain to see what I knew about it when I said that. Right. Yeah. Which is a, um, <laughs> which is a, a form of teaching, you know, it's, uh, it's, I think it's loosely adopted from my experience following martial arts and, uh, you know, having Bruce Lee as a hero. Mm. It's just that idea of, I guess by presenting myself authentically, um, I would hope that if there's any value to that, and I like to believe that there is, that someone will pick up on that. And that if there's any weakness to that, and I know that there is, that someone will pick up on that. And on either end of that spectrum, and in every different aspect of myself that they may pick up on in between, that person then stores that in their mind, uses that as data to go out into the world and absorb their own, continue to absorb information just as they absorbed information from me. So if I'm authentic in the way that I'm presenting that information, uh, no matter what medium I'm using or uh, what terminology or language I'm using, then I would hope that the ripple effect of that would be authentic as well. So it's kind of like the concept of leading by example is I don't like to think of myself in any type of role above someone. So I like to think of myself as just someone that gets observed along the way doing their own thing and then that's like hey i could do that too right or hey i don't want to do that <laughs> whichever way that goes <laughs> um i i feel like at least it's beneficial to the collective to all of us because as you know these ideas ripple from one person to the next so um i try to consciously conduct my behavior and i mean i'm human so i fuck that up all the time excuse my language but uh, you, can you know say I, anything you want uh, shane <laughs> i try to con conduct myself in that manner so that it will have that effect and i feel like even you know when I, i'm doing that i fall on my face because i'm humble enough to admit that i've just fallen on my face um even that has that same effect so with that in mind um i'm not saying it to you know, say that I'm, I'm this great person because I do this. It's just, it feels like something that we should all be doing is just being a little bit more authentic in our delivery of things and maybe not taking so much from the propaganda machine, as you called it earlier, or that, that, that form of art, because we know that it works and we know that it's popular and that's the way things have just always been. Um, in any medium, you know, whether it's public speaking, whether it's visual art, whether it's written word, whether it's music, um, 
to be able to approach what you're doing authentically with all of that stuff as inspiration, but not necessarily you're structuring your, 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 uh, your laws, your rules, and then create in that space from an authentic place. I think that's where, you know, the new artists as they become new artists that we all start to love sometime in the future that I think that's where they're spawned from. You know, if you think of like a Picasso or a Mozart or a Beethoven, you know, like how many of these people at their time were just, you know, not doing things the way everyone else was and therefore they were wrong. They were, they shouldn't do that. Right. This is the way you're supposed to do this. And I just think that in order to grow, we need to try something different and this is a good place for us all to start is to just be authentically ourselves. And even if it doesn't fit into a mold or it doesn't necessarily represent our side or our team, um, that that's okay. And the more of us who do that, the more okay we get with doing that. And I think that that starts to break down those sides and those groups and those um, opposing conflicting competing forces uh, not to say that there's not healthy competition because there is, but like uh, there's definitely malicious competition that it goes on when people uh, choose a side. So that's interesting to me. And it's something I, and I'm sure you as well, my whole life I've been um, outsider, I suppose is a good way to put it. <laughs> it was not my doing. I, for whatever reason, have an energetic field that puts me apart from people, which is part of what was used against me is, is, you know, because you've gone through these things as well. And so this outside aspect where we didn't have a choice, that's just where we were. And I was one of those people where I could actually float between different, I guess, groups of people and uh, find my way around in that sense because of my sympathetic or compassionate nature uh, allowed me access. But in general, and as a general overture in my life, people have very strong reactions. They either really, really like me or they really, really detest me. There's not a neutrality in the perception of what I represent for some reason. And it's always perplexed me as to why, I don't want to say so many, but why people have such a distaste for me because I don't come from anything but love in my heart. And I've been this way since I was little, which was very confusing as a child. And so as I've moved now, I don't care. And this is the work that's been done over a lifetime and getting past lots of uh, trauma, and I've never been a victim, and I was taught to not be one, and I was utilized for my skills, and that was also part of the programming I received. And so at this point, when I encounter those types of energies coming at me, I don't even see them. It's like they're invisible to me. It's like they're in a different spectrum of light that isn't here. You know, like my morning mantra is only love may enter here, only love may dwell here. But I find that the energetic field in which we find ourselves in that pushes me, and so I'm, I'm only speaking for myself, but I'm trying to link to you through this, uh, that pushes me forward in my artistic endeavors and pursuits, because in the end, that's, I feel what we have here is our creative force, our creative energy. This is our real, this is the real louche in the end. And so as I push forward without uh, observance anymore of those energies, and yet those energies that would subdue me and control me are out there and I'm working like a bubble of air in a deep sea that's effervescent and being compressed and I'm pushing forward, I'm moving up, but I'm still a solid bubble of air, uh, that that informs and makes me 
become more vibrant, more effervescent. And in the past, when I would notice this pressure around me that I had been, say, not allowed to rise up, that became an issue for me. And I'm wondering with you, is it something, this kind of, these forces that we're working against, these energetic fields, this type of electromagnetic overlay that we're swimming in, how do you parse that or move through that field to bring forth this kind of magic this kind of beauty that you are bringing forth, that you with more intent now are bringing forth and surely you've brought forth in the past. And I know for a fact that you have had strong reactions from people just like I. So, and you're still here. You're better than ever and you're rising. Well, I think it's, um, it reminds me of, you know, when, when Neo is becoming Neo in the Matrix and he's finally, how's he doing this, right, is the question. And Morpheus's answer is he's starting to believe. That's the way that this works, is the more experiences we have, more the more successes we have, obviously, in dealing with everything that gets thrown at us, the, the stronger we become. You know, there may be a point where, you know, you, you have to lay down and lick your wounds for a while, but you know, when you, when you get back up, you're, you're back up with a vengeance as they say. Yes. Um, and so I think that's what it is. And over the time as that's happened, I've just become less vengeful, but I have all of that energy <laughs> still. <laughs> so, um, instead of, you know, coming back and fighting back against whatever it was, I, I've kind of just moved on from whatever it is and, um, just refocused my energy somewhere else. I don't, uh, that's not necessarily in any way relevant to me putting the ruiner to bed forever type thing. It's just, I know when my energy is having, I, I can see the ripples. So I can, I can, I understand when, when the ripples are, are, are going out, but I can also see when the ripples hit the edge of the pond and I've just flooded the sea with ripples and the only thing I could possibly do is is add more ripples to what is already chaos at that point. And so I need to let things, um, you know, find a, an equilibrium. An equilibrium. So in order to do that, the only way I know how is to refocus my energy into something else. And that's why I've decided to go that way. And it's um, in terms of how, how I pull it through is like, I just, I know better, right? Like I, I know, I know what this all is now. I don't question it anymore. Like when I was doing that last series and I was talking about what I was talking about, you know, there was, there was still a very small part of me that was like, you know, should I be saying this? Is this right? Is this wrong? What is, what is happening right now? Why is, but ever since I've been done, um, something that happened right after and what I've been able to experience through that. I, I, I know that I was right and I don't, I don't have to question that anymore. So it's really easy for me to just carry on as if there is no question there anymore. Yeah. And once that question is removed and you start to, you know, act with conviction, because what is acting with conviction besides you know, acting as if you truly believe in what you say you believe. And I, I feel like this is where people become extremely irresponsible is very, very many people say that they believe things and then they act in such a way that does not reflect those beliefs at all. And I can't allow myself to do that. Anytime I catch myself doing that, that's where I get my deepest wounds. I always give myself my deepest wounds and that's me kicking the shit out of myself for not doing things correctly. Yeah. And when it comes to that, I've been very violent against myself so I don't allow myself to get that far anymore so that I can, you know, not have to lick as many wounds. It's that's learning that's growing. Right. Um, so at this point I just, I know that and I don't have to spend energy proving it. I don't have to spend energy talking about it. I don't have to spend energy considering it. I can spend energy creating within it. 
And I feel like that's the best way to serve my energy and serve others because I don't want to get into a, like throwing any stones at this community because I love you all. And I don't, I don't need to do that. But at the same time, it's, it's a revolving circus. It's, it's, it's on a, it's on a carousel. Nobody's going anywhere until they get off the ride. So, you know, I hope more people start getting off that ride and realize that there's a life outside of that community that needs to be lived. And if you really believe all the things that you say that you believe, then go out and be those things instead of just talking about them in endless circles. So um, that's what I'm trying to do with my own life. And uh, that's, that's all I can do. You say something very intriguing there that I, again, resonate with. And I don't know that I like the, to use that word too often. However, uh, this community, I've been scratching my head over that statement from a lot of people for the few years that I found myself kind of pulled into the community in which you speak. Uh, and I'm an outsider within it as well. I, like I said, I'm, I'm always an outsider. And that's just where I am. It's just how I am. It is just who I am. Uh, and so I see looking in and having my toe in it because I think I became part of that community, strangely enough, by just trying to understand things that had gone on in my life and trying to find the others out there. But my toe in was through dreams and consciousness studies. And again, those were and are and remain avenues of self-exploration. And so I have had a, a quite, quite a distaste for a lot of the cliquish nature of communities in general and in particular communities that I feel should have a more coherence, I guess. And what I see is a lot of vitriol and it's of course kept me wanting to stay outside of it and just come in and see who, who it is that I'm feeling that I feel somehow brings something to helping me understand myself which is where my goal is. And uh, so the inner work, the inner space, and then traversing around all that like I did when I was in other phases of my life. And I've mostly spent my life as an artist. So most my, I've mostly spent my free life as an artist because the early slave days were... Uh, I had no control and, and they were terrible and, and that has informed my art. That has all informed everything that I do. It's created a pathway for me. And so I've done a lot of talking with people from different communities, which this show really houses, the show we're in right now, the salon we're in. Uh, I mean, just have people from all all kinds of communities here, and I'm finding this commonality. I've been finding this commonality, and I call it the vesica Pisces, where we interact, where, where we overlay, and that's the stuff I'm looking for in this experience of consciousness that may or may not be. How do I say this? Have a lot of gravity. Because like you, I don't think this is as real as people want to think it is. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and I do a lot of uh, open contemplation for people to get their minds around that this is this outer space, that which is outside of us is very much like second life or like extended reality or it's you know it's VR and we're we're tapped into it and we're playing in here but the thing is like all spaces there's a set of rules 
there's a set of, uh, it's very real. It feels very real. It is very real. We're emotionally tapped in here. And so from that, the mind matter creates a very deep narrative that can do anything. And that's something I think a lot of people have a hard time grasping when we get this kind of kickback towards those that would debunk. And I'm not going to go any further into that. I've I've talked about that a lot with a lot of people because I find that's a very nefarious program within this uh, and one I don't want to feed at all. So that our mind matter can create anything and create it to the most materialistic, dense reality it needs to make it real for itself and others. So as I always say, if I cut myself in here, I bleed in here, right? Exactly. And what is real other than what we're experiencing, right? uh, (laughs) I mean, as a, a day job, I've been working with people who often working with people who have dementia, Alzheimer's, things like that. So when they're having an episode and they think that this stuffed gorilla that they're holding is uh, an actual baby that belongs to them, mm-hmm. is that real? Well, it sure as fuck is for them, but it's not for the rest of us, right? So it's um, one of those things where I think that people need to understand that there's there's layers to everything, just like, like, I, like that's the whole as above so below never really stops in any anything you ever look like the the Mandelbrot still exists in any form of nature you're ever going to look at. Yes. In in also in like you know what real is there's you know layers to what we could call real because there's a baseline reality we all share but then there's people's perceptions and experiences of that baseline reality we all share and it's not right to say that that's not real but at the same time we need to be able to agree on the the collective right so it becomes really difficult for us to coexist sometimes because we can't seem to agree on all of those different colors whereas if we were to just understand humbly that we're all going to have those different colors and that's okay that the concepts and the ideas that make up the framework that we're all dealing with are what we need to maintain and we need to look after and we need to make sure that gets passed on um, in a healthy way from generation to generation, as opposed to our own personal experience of that. The reason why our personal experience has such great value is because that's, you know, going back to the earlier part of the conversation, that's where the art's coming from. That's where the creation is coming from, because as you're perceiving things, your own way of perceiving them is in a form, your own type of creation, because you're going to then reflect that image that you've just created in your mind or in your mind's eye, if you will. And therefore you're, you know, projecting that into the collective reality. Therefore it becomes important for us to kind of remain humble to the fact that, you know, there's only so much of our own experience that, really, really, really matters. And there's only so much of the collective experience that really, really, really matters. And once you kind of sort those things out and stop getting upset about what you may have lost on either side along the way and just realize that, okay, this is the framework in which I'm experiencing this, then you can then create your experience because you can react to things differently. Therefore, things don't hurt quite as much, right? Or things don't seem to be as traumatic or as, as you know, uh, bad, to put it as simple as possible. So that's where our creative power comes in. That's where our magic comes in. And, and until you understand where you're, uh, where you're creating, your creations may not work out the way that you want them to. And unfortunately for us, we have this very powerful ego and it's, it's, um, you know, it's highly beneficial to us in very, very, very many ways. But there's a line where for all of us, it trips us. And we need to learn where those tripping points are. We need to do our best to avoid them. We need to make amends when we do trip. 
and and just continue on understanding that not only is the, that person we think is an idiot because of the way they tripped um, going to trip, but our you know perfect self is also going to trip <laughs> just like that idiot down the street, <laughs> right? So um, my great friend Natasha, who I've been calling Alice, who just passed, used yeah. to always say, you know, the, a lot of the reason... Um, let me put it this way. Anybody I've ever heard speak about spirituality, I've never heard anybody sum it up as well as that woman could. But most people have never heard her do it. And the reason is she had this philosophy, which she would just rather be a street sweeper. Yes. Than the king of the village, even if she had the you know skills to be the king of the village, she would still choose to be the street sweeper. Um, and that's... You know, that's exactly what I'm talking about here. It's just, you know, instead of, oh, I want to get to this position so that I can, I can be this and I can have this influence on people, which is exactly what made Shaner a rock star was him wanting to get to that position so that he could have that influence on people. Well, I found more influence doing that by accident than I ever did trying to create this persona to do it behind. Right. So. Um, what was required there. I I can call it an accident or I can call it, I did it from my authentic self and that worked better. And I never would have done that if I had have let that ego that I created um, run the show. Right. So. Yeah. This is internal martial arts. And this is an important principle because this is a sign of having done the work. This is to me, that's what I'm talking about with these gyms that we see within things like creative writing and poetic works that are not under the fact guide that are under the fiction category because there's no ego in that. that I'm not coming saying this is the facts, this is factual biography, this is whatever factual documentary when we let go of that, the hangman and the tarot, and we come to this understanding that there is flowing current throughout this whole experience, and by succumbing to it and moving with it rather than against it, we have infinitely more power. And because we have more power is because we're allowing ourselves to work within it instead of trying to rise and turn it into something that it's not. It's some sort of mechanism that people that do the work understand and get. And this is not a desolation or this is not a destruction, but desolation is very applicable there. This is not a destruction of the ego. The ego and the persona are very important aspects to this game, if you will, in in the outer world. And we need them to mull around. You need to have something to mull around in. You get in your car to drive to another place or a plane to go to, you know, another continent etc. And so we have our bio vessels allegedly and we we pull up into them, we possess them and inhabit them to move forward and to present ourselves to outer space, that which is outside of us. And this is a key factor. I like that you brought that up from your Alice and my condolences. Of course, you know that it was just her stepping out of this construct. Uh, But that has always been one of the things that I have found very significant when traversing the world, the outer world. You can see it. It's obvious who is where on the board. Oh, this is the grand king. This is the queen of this. This is, you know, the title of that domain. They walk around with their titles and badges. 
including those that are debunkers and those that are tied into victimhood and those that are bound up by stories, their own stories of their own creation that have taken over their core self. And people like you and Alice and others are out here saying there is something bigger going on and it's not out here. It's not out here. And uh, that, I think, is one of the things I took away from, and for me, your series where you close the Ruiner phase, chapter, book, actually, book. Uh, however, I see that as a gauge in understanding who's out there, the others, Shane, the others. And we know each other because of these beacons. We're not bound in the web, the rubber band ball, the yarn of stories that are binding us. I definitely agree. I mean, especially the the more you clear the space around you from um, unnecessary noise. It makes it very easy to find like, in whatever respect for each person's personal experience, like your others, like people who are kind of vibrating at your frequency to use that terminology, people who get your vibe. But um, I think that, you know, it's impossible to deny that there is a major change going on on this planet that has, you know, its fingers in everything about this planet. So it's not just that our society is changing dramatically with, you know, what's going on right now. It's not just that this wave has hit us and everything has flipped back and forth. Um, it's all of it all at once. And so it's a lot to kind of dance around and maintain and uh, not go crazy because of. But it seems like, you know, there's certain people that are are realizing that you can't maintain all of the noise. You can't, or sorry, you can't entertain all of the noise. That because of how much is going on all at once right now, we really need to kind of start to narrow our focus on what we feel is most important. And, you know, that's uh, what our friend Randy would call going through the eye of the needle, in my opinion. You know, it's that uh, that's that's what's going on for all of us right now on both a personal and collective um, game, uh, playing field. And you know, our planet is changing in the process of it all as well you know and the reasons for that are speculative and uh, debatable i guess is, is more what i'm was going to say but uh the the fact that it's happening the fact that it's here the fact that it's real i don't think anyone can deny anymore and um with a lot of the stuff that i was talking about when i did the ruiner it's it's all here and it's all now and it's all showing itself in the manner that I, you know, as others have said that it, it would. And so it's not about talking uh, or trying to predict what is going to happen next. We, we can see it. It's, it's here now, right? Yes. So it's now it's about like, okay, well then what are you going to do with yourself now that it's here? You know, you didn't beat it. You didn't stop it. It's here. Yes. Um, and, and so well, what's next? And, um, I'm choosing that for myself. I'm encouraging others to do the same and whatever you choose is fine. Like mom is just kind of, mom is a good person to consult with or take counsel with right now, actually, because what she kind of wants from us is just for us to find some type of harmony here, some type of, you know, be able to use our voice metaphorically in unison in some form of harmony, which unison is our form of harmony with everything else that is going on, all of her children all at once. And that's going to require a lot of, you know, changing the pitch and bending some notes and uh, nudging the person next to you. But 
it's going to happen one way or another. So, and the period that we're in the middle of is it happening. Yes. So our, our power has always been, our evolution has always been caused by, you know, having to adapt to a new environment and that's what we're doing. So, um, we can choose to evolve and adapt to things as they are, or we can uh, continue daydreaming about how we wanted them to be. And, you know, that's, that's our choice. So, um, as I've said many times along the way, please choose wisely. All right. There goes Shane Bales. This was initially just going to be something I offered to the patrons at Patreon. And I decided to break it in half. It didn't have a natural breaking point, which was a little bit tricky for me to find a place that felt like we could sum up that first half. I think I did it in a good way. It's a little mysterious. We get into some very juicy content after this. Chain has closed the ruiner phase of his life, and so he's not really open to talking about any of that kind of stuff. And yet, he did a little bit in the second half, which was not my intent to go there. We just... It kind of naturally went there. Uh, And so... That's there for people that want that second hour. They can follow the link in the show notes to get to my Patreon page because it's shadow banned on Patreon, so you can't search me and find me. You actually have to click the link. With that said, though, this was a really rewarding interaction with Shane. I'm glad we had this opportunity to come together again. I hope we can do this in the future when his book's out and so I am feeling very good about where I stopped this conversation in the public for the sake of that does not have anything out there in the net yet for his new books I will post his Instagram page in the show notes and his uh, YouTube channel, so you can catch up on anything over there, including that series that we were just talking about, where he closed out the ruiner. I would like to thank Santa Rebecca, Jason Lamson, Michael Watcher, Melanie Poe, Christy Tesmer, and Marin Kramer as producers for this show. Also, I would like to thank all the other patrons through my Patreon. Remember, the dreamer loves the dream. The dreamer feeds the dream. The dreamer is the dream. Dream on. Thank you for coming to the Cosmic Salon and allowing me to entertain you with some interesting conversations with interesting people have a wonderful night and sweet dreams <laughs>